You're listening to Latin Experts, a podcast of Latino studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Latin Experts features the voices of faculty, staff, and students, as well as friends and alumni of the Department of Mexican-American and Latina Latino Studies, the Latino Research Institute, and the Center for Mexican-American Studies. Join us for this episode of Latin Experts. Very soon across Latin America, including the United States, people will be preparing their altars to honor loved ones who passed for Day of the Dead. Marigolds, calaveras, along with pictures of our loved ones looking their best and some of their favorite things while they were living. A little shot of tequila, a cigarette, a sweet treat, you name it. Or at least that's the sort of simplistic way I've always understood this annual ritual. But what other purposes does Day of the Dead serve for Latin American communities? To help us understand more about this important tradition, I've invited Dr. Rachel Gonzalez, Associate Professor in the Department of Mexican-American and Latina Latino Studies here at UT. Rachel has a PhD in folklore and ethnomusicology, and she's incoming editor of the journal Western Folklore. She's also author of the book, Quintinera Style, Social Belonging and Latinx Consumer Identities, which came out last year. And of course, she is a beloved teacher in malls, even though she's on leave this semester. Rachel, welcome to Latin Experts. Thank you for having me, Carmen, for that um, lovely introduction, which always sounds better when someone else reads it. So thank you. This is usually, I always laugh since I started at UT, and even as a graduate student, the fall was always my busy season for speaking because people were always looking to find people to talk about Day of the Dead. So I was kind of last, but cool. I'm glad to be here. Well, now you're, you know, doing the labor for your home department. And so uh, we're glad you're, you know, taking a little time for us here. But so I guess we just start. And I think most of us probably have the kind of understanding that I just, you know, gave in the introduction. But in a maybe more scholarly way, what is the basic purpose of Day of the Dead and the different manifestations of it? Sure. So David is actually really complex. And as many of our students possibly listening would know, deep connections both to movement, diaspora, colonialism, (laughs) systems of power. (laughs) And so thinking about Day of the Dead is really thinking about a really compact way of understanding how, particularly how Spanish European colonialism came together with indigenous beliefs and practices in the Americas, right? So Really broadly speaking, Day of the Dead, so even just the, the name, Day of the Dead, Dia de los Huertos, in actuality, it's not, it's, it's mostly called Day of the Dead in Mexico and in the United States. In other parts of Central America and Northern South America, they don't really use the word muerto, they use the word uh, difunto, so like the depart, dearly departed. There's all these sort of cultural differences, even linguistically, that tell us that the tradition is, is actually quite different. And so the way we know it in the United States, much like Quintanilla traditions and other diasporic traditions, right? It's actually quite unique. So when we think about Day of the Dead sort of broadly, Day of the Dead is a commemorative practice. It's about remembering. And in Latin America in particular, we're thinking about remembering on personal levels, right? You, you mentioned the idea of the altar or the home ofrenda, right? The offering to the dead. And when we think about the traditions globally, it's called ancestor worship. And depending on how you grew up, that might sound a little bit creepy, or depending on the religious community that you were raised in or the beliefs that you follow, it might sound very pagan, or for some people, they even think of it as as evil, right? So there's definitely kind of a moralistic connotation to these celebrations, but what it's about 
is it's rooted in a belief of saying that we believe in kind of a non-Christian or a Christian plus afterlife in the idea that there are these traditions that are based on calendar customs, right, on traditions about the land and harvest that also coincide with beliefs of sort of new years, new beginnings. And part of those beliefs come with understanding that as living beings, we understand the world in, in one particular kind of material dimension, but that all around us there are, there's a whole other kind of dimensional existence. And we believe in some way that during the season of Day of the Dead, right, when we ask and remember our family members, we actually believe that they can come visit us. So mm-hmm. it's got a lot of strains, right? But the practices themselves came to the Americas with colonialism, right? So before that, the variety of indigenous populations in Mexico, Central America, Northern South America, you know, before the borders were what they were, the sociopolitical borders were what they were, different indigenous populations had different ritual traditions for remembering, for honoring harvest, for thanking the gods, for thinking about the relationship between the living or the material and the non-material world. Living in the dead, but maybe maybe better said as material, non-material. But as that developed, right, as you know, the Mexican Republic developed as, as these different sort of political, social entities, then the traditions themselves kind of got, I'd like to say, like rounded at the edges, right? They become more generalized. They become um, the product of nation building. And so they have all these different strands that vary depending on where you are. But at its heart, it's about remembering. It's about collectively coming together to remember the past but it's also about celebrating life. So what I like to tell people definitely first, Day of the Dead is not Halloween. <laughs> Day of the Dead is not about dressing up in costumes and scaring people. It really is closer to um, a religious holiday, right, where people are actually thinking about their past loved ones in a very sincere way. But it's not mourning. People ask, used to ask me if it was, you know, how, quote-unquote, is this how Mexicans, this is a Mexican funeral? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> But uh-huh. it can definitely get confused that way. So, so let's pick up on that point a little bit because I, I want to ask you about this kind of connection you mentioned, or disconnection, or maybe uncomfortable alliance in a way with Christianity, particularly yeah. in Latin American countries. Thinking about Catholicism, how does that tension manage? Because it does seem, uh, from what you described, that there's obviously um, a lot of reasons for tension, uh, even the term you oh, used, uh, ancestor worship. And so so how did these tensions get managed? They just kind of get swept under the rug and it just is what it is? Kind of. <laughs> There's actually a lot of different ways that people manage it. And I'd like to think that people manage it differently. People have the, the privilege of managing it differently depending on, on socioeconomic right, rationale, on class, on this idea of resources, right? So when we think about who's associated with Day of the Dead traditions in Latin America, particularly in Mexico, right, where it has a whole narrative of, like, cultural patrimony of the nation, it's absolutely an indigenous tradition, right? So just like in the U.S. where people go, there's a parade in San Francisco or other sort of Latinx communities, right, host big public events. In Mexico City, you have Day of the Dead celebrations, but you also have sort of the organic celebrations that are happening in southern Mexico and Oaxaca, in areas that have larger indigenous populations, in central Mexico, particularly in Michoacan, outside of the town of Pascual on this island called Janitzio, where they actually host like the official Purepecha celebrations of Day of the Dead. 
And so the idea is that on some level, this idea of religious syncretism is part of a cultural history of Latin America, and particularly in Mexico, from where I'm speaking. So the idea there is that if you're seen as an indigenous person or a poor person, right, this idea of blending heritage, blending religious systems is almost more acceptable, right? People are thinking about the ways in which, oh, those people, right? There's definitely a class-race distinction that's happening. And so people who identify as indigenous or part of current indigenous communities are absolutely still battling this idea of maintaining their cultural heritage, religious or otherwise whether it's religious or linguistic or material culture or dress, with sort of contemporary colonialist or Western mestizo practices, right? So you have that tension that's ongoing, you know, hundreds of years ongoing, and it sort of fits into how people are managing, this is how we work our traditions, but we might also go to church because that's what people have done. That's how people survive. You become part of the mainstream and still maintain your own traditions. In the U.S., it's interesting because we have a lot more particularly in the 90s, we had a lot of migrant Latinos who were coming or becoming Latinos, but migrant folks from Latin America who were coming in and converting from Catholicism to Protestantism. And with Catholicism, there was a much easier hook, right? Because the idea of Roman Catholicism came into the Americas and was all about syncretism, right? Blending. Okay, you want, you have Donancin, we'll give you the Virgin Mary or Guadalupe, right? Oh, this day is sacred to you. We'll make it a saint's day. And then you're celebrating when we're celebrating. And so there's been this constant back and forth of, we want to control you via religion. So we're going to kind of blend and you're going to kind of meet us halfway because otherwise we'll kill you. So there's definitely this idea of um, forced syncretism, right? People hiding their (laughs) traditions, but still maintaining them, right? In different ways. But this, this more recent these more recent generations where people are really Protestant Christians, that idea of of celebrating what's quote-unquote pagan <laughs> does cause a lot more tension. And so when we think, when I think about the work and the, the research that's been done in the U.S., it's really interesting to see a tradition that was very much about spirituality or talks about beliefs, particularly beliefs of the afterlife, it's been secularized in many ways, right? It's been sort of removed. So you might go to your Baptist church on Sundays and Wednesdays and whenever you have, you know, Bible study together, right? A very particular kind of schedule, but you might still go to the festival that is celebrating Day of the Dead because it's, it's sort of seen as a public multicultural festival, right? You might not do an altar to your family. It becomes more about an ethno-racial identity, right? Being a Latino person, a Latinx, part of the Latinx community in the United States or in your town, or in, in sort of a public way. So on some levels, that's the difference. And some people, like much of syncretism across the Americas, people just accept that this is what we've always done, and this is where we go to church. And a lot of that is based on generational relationships, right? We're not going to disrespect what our abuelitas taught us, <laughs> but we're still card-carrying Pentecostals. And it's sure. interesting, but it, it's a kind of... Um, it's a kind of like dual thinking or it's a kind of double consciousness, right? Yeah. That becomes part of, of surviving, right? And not forgetting. And I think that's actually really interesting to think about, right? Day of the Dead is both about remembering, but it's also about not forgetting. And those two things are, are, are kind of different. Yeah. Well, so I guess I wanted to then ask you related, if we're thinking about kind of, you know, cultural syncretism and, and, and pastiche and some of these ways that culture yeah. manifests across time and place. And you mentioned earlier about Halloween. And so I think yeah. for a, not a, a lot of non-Latinos in the United States, 
you know, we assume Day of the Dead is on the, the same day as Halloween, that it's basically like Mexican Halloween. Is there a relationship, though, between these two celebrations? And how maybe has that changed or manifested over the years? So there's definitely a relationship, right? And that's clear because both Halloween and Day of the Dead or Days of the Dead, depending on how you're saying it, right, coincide with the Catholic liturgical calendar. And that's because we're thinking about the impact of Christianity or Roman Catholicism that impacts both indigenous Americas, but also, you know, thinking about indigenous communities of Europe, right? Thinking about the Celts, right? Thinking about populations that were seen as pagan. They were also colonized and converted at the ends of a sword, right? So in Europe, right, you have Samhain, which is a Celtic pagan celebration, right? That's October 31st that much like Day of the Dead celebrates the end of the harvest, right, in sort of a gratitude period. And it's also sort of Celtic New Year. So the idea that the celebration of that night becomes one of, if you think about Mardi Gras and thinking about the Catholic calendar and thinking about Fat Tuesday versus going into the Lent season, if you're a Catholic person and understand that, it's kind of a moment of a pressure release, right? It's a big party. It's a time to be publicly wild as you go into sort of the next phase of the year. And so even just thinking about Halloween, Halloween as in the U.S. in particular, as very much a kid consumer dress-up holiday that has similar functions to those original Samhain rituals, which was about inversion, right? When little kids can go to a stranger's home and request goodies, right? That's the inversion of kids don't have that kind of power <laughs> in society, but for this one night, the roles are reversed. Right. And so, you know, we get a lot of people dressing up in ways that they wouldn't dress up in everyday life. And we see all sorts of problematics, right, with that and thinking about people dressing up as other races, people, quote unquote, dressing in drag and being disrespectful of, of other people's, you know, rich communities. But Day of the Dead and Halloween. So in that way, the calendar customs, right? Day of the Dead occurs over November 1st and 2nd, right? So just after the, quote unquote, Halloween holiday. But we think about, you know, October 31st. And we're thinking about the original traditions of trick-or-treating and um, pagan ritual in Europe, right? We're talking about things that also happen after midnight, right? So we're thinking about timing. We're thinking about the same sort of middle-of-the-night celebrations, mm -hmm. right? Things that are happening um, by the cover of darkness or a full moon, all right? This, this relationship to nature, this relationship to um, the time of year, to the environment. Right. And so when we think about Days of the Dead, right? Days of the Dead, much like... Samhain in, in Europe, right? Days of the Dead, if you look at the ways in which indigenous communities document celebrations before colonial contact, if you look at any of the, the codices or things like that, the idea was that there was like a month-long celebration. You know, this, was, this wasn't like two days. This was a full stop to, you know, there were weeks and weeks of feasting and cooking and celebrating to mark this ritual transition from gathering a fruitful harvest thanking the gods, thanking, you know, the ancestors for, you know, the fruitful, for the, the bounty, and then moving on to sort of the fall-winter season, right, where things were different. Things were different naturally, right? The weather changes, it gets darker sooner, right? There's just a different kind of, from that spring-summer festiveness to sort of the darker winter months, that we're almost a little more serious, right? So in that sure. way, they're, they're definitely celebrating their harvest festivals. They're, they're celebrating very similar things, but with movement, with migration, with the race politics of you know, 
Latinos versus, you know, Celtic <laughs> origin Europeans in the right. U.S., right? Those traditions, their perception changes dramatically. But Day of the Dead, so there's a great book by Regina Markey called Day of the Dead in the United States. And it came out in about 2008, 2009. Um, and she's a, a very good friend. She's at Rutgers in communications. And she was one of the few people that I've ever seen write about Day of the Dead from a really honest position about how it got to the United States. So one of the things people think, and this is interesting if you talk, especially here in Texas. So we're in Texas, right? Which means like already you can go to HEB and find the best Day of the Dead themed bags and ceramics and, you know, dog toys and anything you could possibly want. That's Day of the Dead themed. And I love that. I didn't grow up with that. Day of the Dead wasn't something that was really around in any way besides sort of the like a museum, culture history, kind of formal art structures, festivals. But it wasn't a home tradition, and it wasn't something you would find anywhere that wasn't like a place that was doing like Mexican imports, right? It had a very a very sort of narrow niche in public life. But here it's really different. But if we think about where, how David had got to the U.S., David didn't come to the U.S. when I think about traditions like sort of organically on the backs of migrants, right? This wasn't something people were bringing with them, really. And in fact, um, I had this long conversation with my grandmother, who's from Coahuila, so northern Mexico. And she came into Texas when she was young to pick cotton. And so she's a, a very interesting class dynamic. But I remember asking if she celebrated Day of the Dead when she was a girl in Mexico. And she was pretty, she got pretty defensive saying you know, she wasn't an Indian. And we're not going to, you know, we right. call grandma racist. And there's a lot of class and race things there. But what I, I came to understand growing up, which I didn't fully understand, was that Day of the Dead, even in Mexico, was is not something that was organically national, right? It was something that was seen as part of the indigenous tradition. And if we think about migration histories, right, where people are coming from in Mexico is often not these indigenous areas. You know, you think about Texas and having like a heavy uh, northern Mexican natural sort of migration across the border, moving north. Those traditions weren't coming with people because people didn't have those traditions. They weren't part of those indigenous histories. So actually in the 60s and 70s, sort of peak Chicano movement, you know, thinking about the history of sort of the community and the discipline, right? The Chicano movement, if, if people recall, was really invested in acknowledging non-European histories that were being left out of what at the time was sort of Hispanic or Mexican, Puerto Rican, different sort of community histories where the priority was on, you know, European origin. And so people were really actively trying to build in indigenous narratives. So in this book that Regina Markey writes, and in a subsequent article she produces for the Journal of American Folklore, she talks about, no, there was actually sort of cohorts of artists from the Bay Area, from Los Angeles, right, who were invested in traveling to Mexico, particularly to Oaxaca, to learn from masters about traditions and then bring them back and bring them back to the community. Right. And in many ways, the way that they sort of came in the sort of like double diaspora, right? you had these artists who were saying, we're getting educated. We want to we want people to know about their history. But in many ways, they go down and, and, and learn from a few people. Right. Or from a particular right. area. And so what we understand is like, oh, this is this is the cultural history of David. It's like sort of. Yes. In some way it is. <laughs> but it's also very much sort of formed as not so much a personal tradition, but a way to remember where Latinx communities come from, right? Trying to say, like, in the U.S., it isn't really about, like, just remembering your grandmother or just remembering your cousin. It's also about this larger building of community around um, this diasporic identity. So 
we just have a couple of minutes left here, but based on what she just said, I, I wanted to, I guess, see or get your expert opinion based on all that you know about how you imagine this sort of ritual or celebration serving different purposes in the future. Just what you just said about how even it comes to the United States or the the bifurcation among Mexicans, yeah. for example. Do you, do you see this sort of maintaining or, or do you see a, an evolution for this ritual? Well, you know, I'm a folklore. <laughs> I'm always seeing evolution. And that, it really <laughs> depends. And so the perception of what that evo- quote-unquote evolution is, right, its transition, will vary from community to community, right? Just like any tradition, the folks that were really invested in the religious angles and see it secularizing think it's the demise of the tradition. But the tradition is changing. I think, and this is interesting, right, because this is kind of in the area of the work that I do, right? I see Day of the Dead increasingly popular in the United States as a multicultural tradition, right? So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so I grew up in some of the places in the U.S. that had some of the first, like, public Day of the Dead festivals. Mm. And even in the early 90s, right, when we would go, my mother's a public librarian, so the public libraries were always part of this hosting and creating crafts and books and hosting spaces like museum spaces to educate the wider community about the celebration. Even there, I rem- you know, as a kid walking around, and I mentioned this to you previously, there would just be open sort of museum spaces. There'd be exhibits, formal exhibits. A lot of them were altars or ofrendas made by professional artists, right? But then you would have community groups that could come together and build altars. And, you know, one of the first places I ever saw like queer or lesbian art was different like queer Chicano organizations that were building altars to like Frida Kahlo, but like Butch Frida Kahlo, not not let's <laughs> say her as a Tijuana, but like her in the suit and to Gloria Saldua and to these other figures. And I was like, what is this? Like I didn't under like for me, I was like, oh, this is very traditional. You know, Day of the Dead is super traditional cultural practice. And then I see these twists that I would never have, you know, as a kid, not assumed were traditional and I was like this is interesting so so this idea mm-hmm. of art practice right building things and customizing to me has always been part of this tradition right because that's what Chicana Chicano artists were doing you know in the 60s and 70s they sure. took what they understood from Mexico brought it and made it work for the community that was here and so I think that's more and more what's going on so I mentioned ATV my beloved seasonal section in ATV where I've already raided you know the bags and the dryer mat and all these things for Day of the Dead from my house, but the idea that these cycles, right, that the sort of dialogic between communities and conversation with individuals, I put up a David at altar at my house, right, to my grandparents, you know, as they passed away over the years. It's one of the few constants that I've had through graduate school, you know, bringing these pieces together, but I didn't mm-hmm. grow up having altars at home. So, you know, the way personal traditions develop for different people. Sure. The idea of public traditions, public traditions for Day of the Dead in the U.S. in particular, are constantly reinventing themselves because we're not really just talking about, like, an altar for Cesar Chavez, right? Some of the most interesting altars have been, you know, this is an altar to children that have died before their birth or a migrant who, who died, you know, crossing, right? This idea of bringing political issues or, you know, queer artists, right? Just the idea of being inclusive, that this is about, this is about saying, hey, look, these are quote-unquote non-traditional ideas or conversations in our community, but we're producing them in ways that they become very legible in tradition. Sure. And in that way, kind of changing things. And then you have the commercial angle, right? So much like other traditions, if 
you know, you grew up in, let's say, Tamaulipas or in Chihuahua, northern Mexico, where Day of the Dead traditions and sort of indigenous or Indian, quote unquote, in a pejorative way, identities weren't part of your everyday upbringing. But you can go to that commercial section. You can go to HEB and be like, oh, look at Calaveritas and like, yeah. oh, look, that little like trinket. And so you can be introduced to it and it can be become part of what you have at home. It can become part of a different kind of narrative. So in many ways, I see, yes, absolutely, not just evolution, I would say, but this idea of responsiveness of tradition, right? Well, and the I think that is, I mean, I, I think that's exactly, I mean, everything you just said. And I think thinking about responsiveness and thinking about going into the tradition this year is going to be a good place for us to end because we are out of time. Great. And so, <laughs> you know, I want to thank you so much for being here today, Rachel. Absolutely. Our guest today, again, is Dr. Rachel Gonzalez-Martin of the Mexican-American Latino Latina Studies Department at UT. I also want to make sure to thank the Latin Experts Collective, which is comprised of faculty and research staff and Latino studies at UT, also the Latino Studies Communications Team, and the Liberal Arts Instructional Technology Services Audio Studio Team. And of course, uh, thanks to all of you for listening to Latin Experts. Hi, all. This is Ashley Nava Monteros, the Communications Associate at Latino Studies. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to check out the Latino Studies Instagram page. Follow us at Latino Studies UT to keep the conversation going.